Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Them podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Erin Wright. Yes, and we have her again, but it's not a rerun. It's a new yeah. <laughs> a new podcast. And we're going to talk about libraries or we talked about libraries with yes. her and how to get in and the just kind of demystifying the process a little mm-hmm. bit because it is a little confusing. Right, it's very different from just selling to readers mm-hmm. directly or through a mm-hmm. store. There's a she talks about the ways to get into libraries mm-hmm. and um, how to let libraries know how to get your ebooks, audiobooks, and print books into libraries, what mm-hmm. what formats libraries like, mm-hmm. and how to let libraries know about you and your books, mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. kind of the it's discovery again. That seems mm-hmm. to be the the issue. Mm-hmm. A lot of, that's what we're uh, trying to all figure out is discovery. Yeah. So. I think I'm going to have discoverability tattooed on my behind. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> So no that doesn't seem like a very good place to do it, does it? If I want to be discovered. Hmm. No, maybe maybe somewhere else. Maybe somewhere else. Dang <laughs> it. It's kind of a metaphor for our problems with discovery. <laughs> oh, so my true, goodness. So true. Okay. Oh, anyway, what's been All going right. on with you? Um, not a lot. I've been getting the final touches on the Kickstarter, and I've had a thought. I've been researching it. So oh. I want to know if anybody else has done this. Has anybody used Shopify to fulfill their Kickstarter? Because oh. I'm going, I have a store. I have yeah. the ability to do all that. So I'm researching that. And I think it can be done. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a hard time finding details on how to do it. Not that I need to know it right now, but mm-hmm. I do want to know if it's a possibility. So oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yes. Yeah. So then that way, because like last time I had to put everything in, uh, Kickstarter, and then I put everything in again into book uh, backer kit, mm-hmm. and then I was thinking this time if I'm going to put everything on my website, then I got to upload it all to my website. You know each right. product, right. so I see maybe I could just do it all on Shopify, and that yeah. would simplify things. So if you've done that, um, let me know. Uh, you could post in the group or get in touch with us. You know, send me an email or something, and uh, you can dig into that. So been working on that and. My other bit of news I was going to try and remember to talk about is Mm. I watched The Extraordinary Attorney Wu. I've started watching that. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. No, but I've heard about it. Yeah. So uh, I think it was Inez who mentioned it and recommended Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I started watching that and I really am liking it. I've never watched like the the Mm K-dramas, but I think I'm about to go down a big, deep rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. Yeah, you know, there's some days that I'm like, oh, yeah, give me some good subtitles. And then there are other days I'm like, mm, I want to scroll my phone and listen to this TV show or movie. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just can't do that today. I don't want to work that hard. I need to find a yeah. show in English. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway, well. Um, what about you? What's going on for you? Not much, not much, just still, you know, plugging along, trying to write a little bit every day. And um, yeah, that's it. I don't really okay. have a whole lot of news. <laughs> we just recorded the last intro a few days ago. So 
I'm pretty boring. So um, I uh, don't really have much. So That's we can okay. get on with uh, the show and Erin because she's got some amazing information. Okay. Well, we will do that. Here is Erin. Great. Well, today we are really happy to have Erin Wright with us for the second time. Welcome Hi, Aaron. back, Erin. Thank you. <laughs> we had so much to talk about last time. We've asked Erin to come back and talk about libraries and a little bit about her marketing that she's doing for her books. So let me read her bio and then we will get into the questions. Erin Wright is a full-time contemporary Western romance author, but unless you're a fan of sexy cowboys, you've probably heard of her instead because of her work in Why for the Wind Facebook group. She conned Susie O'Connell, close writing friend and fellow cowboy romance author, into co-founding the Facebook group back in March of 2019 and has been avoiding writing books by posting in the group ever since. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> there's so much, so much truth in that. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, Erin, tell us what's the most important lesson you've learned recently. Oh, wow. Um <laughs> Y'all just like to start out with the easy stuff, don't you? Yeah, we just knock you right out of the park right there. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's really funny because the very recently within the last within the last week, I have been starting to realize that um, again, I I come to this realization regularly and then I sort of forget because apparently I have memory issues, but um, that I really need to start prioritizing writing. Mm-hmm. because uh, it's, it is very easy for me to put off writing and post in groups or teach classes mm-hmm. or be on mm-hmm. podcasts. And, mm-hmm. and I love all of it. Like, you know, um, I love helping people. I love having that light bulb moment. Um, and so, but, but at the same time, like I really do need to write my own books. I have not released a book since April of 2021, um, which is definitely not a release schedule that I recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at least part of it for me is, um, Megan actually said this the other day, uh, on, on her podcast, um, but it's the tyranny of the urgent mm-hmm. yes. where something is on fire. And so I have to go put that thing out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My writing isn't on fire. Mm-mm. And thus it, it literally and figuratively, if you're like me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm trying to reset um, again of, and I've tried this before. Like I said, I, I I have a hard time sticking with it because there is that that element of urgency. But mm-hmm. I genuinely just need to be writing every morning before I get into other things, mm-hmm. and then I at least have some sort of progress towards the book, even if right. it's yeah. not you know as much as I thought that I wanted to get done because it never is. Um, <laughs> at least it's something. And mm-hmm. if I had been writing something every day for the last two and a half years, I would have at least a couple books out. Yeah. You'd at least have a book or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard though, because it's so easy to put that on the back burner because you've got all this other stuff that must be done this week or today. Exactly. Well, and like we were talking about just before we got on, I mean, you're, you're what you're a helper and, um, I am too. And that's more fun sometimes (laughs) than writing a book. Huh? 
Yeah. It's it's more, it's more satisfying because I'm also number one activator. So if I sit down with a client and we go through a consultation and we see those light bulb moments, then I'm like, I get off the call thinking I've accomplished something and the book writing, I don't see, I don't accomplish anything until I finish the book yes. in my warped thinking. And yeah. so it's very hard. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so a number two helper in the Enneagram profile, mm-hmm. um, if anybody wasn't sure what that's referring to, but yeah, I'm, I'm number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I'm a very strong, um, uh, helper, the, the number two in the Enneagram, because I just, that's what makes my heart happy. Um, since I was a little kid, like I wanted to be a teacher, like I would line up my dolls and I would teach mm-hmm. my dolls and, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and, and so I actually was a teacher there, um, for, uh, for a bit. Um, and I thought when I left the teaching world that I was just going to be an author, Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think that I was going to be getting back into teaching. And then now I've sort of married the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the parts of those partnership is is um, definitely large and in control. <laughs> and the other half is kind of <laughs> fall under the wayside at points. And so, yeah, um, that's something I'm just working on. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I think great, that's, that's a great lesson. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people be able to identify with that. Definitely. So, well, has your business model changed recently? Do you have, do you still have the same business model you started out with? Have things shifted? Um, you mean in terms of teaching people or in terms of writing? Just your writing, like how, cause I think a lot of people get into writing, like they're going to be a writer all the time. Like that's going to be their full-time job. And then sometimes their mindset shifts and they do different things. So yeah. So, um, I obviously am not putting out books fast enough. Um, but I am lucky in the regard that I have a fairly diverse catalog, mm-hmm. um, where, I mean, there, the, the topics of the books are, are it's fiction. It's all in one world, long Valley. They're, um, all Western romances. They're very focused in that way. Um, but I have a lot of different formats, right? So I, I have my eBooks and then I have my print books and then I have my audiobooks, and I have translations. Um, so at least I have diversity in that regard. Yes. And then obviously, mm-hmm. of course, I'm, you know, on all the different platforms, of course. Yeah. Um, um, so that really helps, but, uh, but I've also realized that, um, not everyone is driven to teach and not everyone is good at teaching. And that is a skill that I, that I possess. Um, I just naturally am good at teaching. Um, And so I can really help people in that regard. So then I've started um, using the information that I get from the writing world um, to teach and help other people. And like I said, that's been, you know, taking over sometimes, um, a lot of times, but, um, 
I have been able to make a really big difference in the in the author community. I feel like maybe I'm deleting mm-hmm. myself. You know, there's always that. no. I think that's um, probably the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, by by running white or helping lead the the white movement and and letting people realize that this is a valid strategy to mm-hmm. publish and be successful on my platforms. Um, um, I've been able to make a difference in that regard, and that that means a lot to me. Um, so, but I have started, I, at first I was just doing the wide for the wind Facebook group. And then, um, I started doing one-on-one consultations and then, uh, I've now added on classes because mm-hmm. there's just not enough, uh, hours in the day right. for me to, to teach everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Right now, if you went to my consultation calendar, I believe the next opening is either in December or January. Um, um, and that's, and and I get people all the time who are like, I'm begging you, just like put me in and I will pay you. And I'm just like, there is really just only one of me. You have no idea how hard this is for the number two helper over here mm-hmm. to be like, I can't help you right now, but I, I can't. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. Science There's, is letting me down. Yeah. <laughs> There's no duplication machine. <laughs> so, so I've, I guess I've been diversifying in terms of the teaching part of things of by right. trying to teach these classes. Maybe I can help more people all at the same time rather than doing I love that. Yeah. That, that's wise. That's just, mm-hmm. a, I think that's a wise choice for you. Um, especially given your, um, strengths and, and talents, you know, I, I think, I think that's great that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, tell me, how do you view mistakes and how do you recover when things go wrong? Mm. How do I view mistakes? Um, Honestly, uh, I mean, I always get frustrated. You know, mm-hmm, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. who's like, yes, I made a mistake today. This is awesome. <laughs> um, but I also don't tend to, um, I don't, I don't honestly get that depressed or like driven down by it mm-hmm. um, because I'm naturally a very optimistic positive mm-hmm. kind of a person. And so I'm like, well, you know, I mean, that sucked. That's, that wasn't fun, but, um, I did learn X, Y, Z from it. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, there was that. Um, yes. and then I just sort of move forward. I don't know. I don't, I don't get sucked down into negativity very That's easily. Great. That's yeah. great. So, you know, Ines Johnson will tell you that she fails fast. Like she is one of those people that she's like, yes, now I have the data and I can. And <laughs> we were talking about this at lunch at InkersCon. And I was like, I was just listening. To, I was listening to her. And I said, I hear the words you're saying. They just don't make <laughs> sense in my head. And she's like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, well, there's a period of self-loathing that, you know, that I have to work through and it can last a while. And she just looked at me like I was nuts. She was like, why do you worry about? And I'm like, because I fail and I have a bad view of failing. I know that, but yeah. So most of us are like me. I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I feel like I'm more kind of in the middle, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't go through long phases of self-loathing, but I'm also not like the best thing ever. I yeah. just failed, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, all right, you know, Hey, I've 
I learned something from that. Don't yes. do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. and so there's, there is that. Yeah. 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 That's really important when you can mm-hmm. kind of reframe it. Even if yes. you start out, I'm more like Jamie start out. And I'm yes. like, oh, I made a mistake. But if we can reframe it in our minds, you go, okay, we've learned something. So it's a good thing. It takes a yeah. while though, to get to that point. You know, so. it's really interesting because, um, um, for anybody who's a Clifton strengths, um, super fan, uh, like I am in terms yeah, of exercise and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm number four positivity. Mm. So I'm naturally hardwired to look at the positive things and be like, okay, well, you know, I mean, that kind of sucked, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go forward and, um, and I, I always find it interesting to talk to people who don't have um, a natural inclination to just bounce back mm-hmm. um, because you genuinely have to fight for that. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I'm, I will literally say, okay, so this evening, like I'm kind of in a bad mood by morning, by the time I wake up, I'll be fine again. And I will be like, I'll wake up the next morning and it's like a reset button. And now I'm just like back to being fine again. That's great. <laughs> but I don't, it's not like, I'm like, oh, I've worked so hard to, to make this happen. It's yeah. literally just baked into my personality. So I don't yeah. feel like I, um, I, I have not had to strive to make that happen. And I really have a lot of, um, respect for people who are not naturally optimistic and still pull themselves back from bad things happening mm-hmm. because that's genuinely very difficult. It would, so it right. would be like me learning another language, which I absolutely suck at. I cannot <laughs> speak other languages. I've tried. I can't even tell you how many other languages I tried to learn. I, it does not make sense to my brain. English, I only speak it half the time anyway. It's my native <laughs> tongue. So, so, you know, there's things that you're just naturally good at and there's things yeah. that you're just naturally not. And so yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense too. So right. well, this is a weird transition. I can't figure out how to transition from that into libraries, but we're going to go that way because we wanted <laughs> to have you back to talk about libraries. So um tell us a little bit about your background working with libraries and um kind of how, what you've done with libraries in, in your, in the past? Well, I will help you make that transition more smoothly, okay. more smooth. <laughs> um, I got fired from the only time I've ever been fired in my life. I, I was a library director for 18 months and I got fired. Uh, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and that like put me into a funk that lasted more than one night. I promise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, cause it just made me question my self-worth of like, what happened? Like, I am not somebody who gets fired, right? Yeah. I'm an overachiever and blah, 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 blah. And it just really made me question, like, there's something wrong with me as a human being, like I am screwed up. And, and I mean, there was a lot of it was just, um, being in a small town. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, they hired me. I was an outsider. Uh, they told me they wanted me to make all these changes And I was uh, naive enough to go, oh, okay, and make all the changes without necessarily realizing that small towns are a little bit change averse and risk adverse. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of dragging the library along behind me and the library board didn't, despite telling me this is what they wanted me to do Mm -hmm. at every single board meeting, they were then like, well, I mean, did you really have to do that though? And I'm like, 
yes, like this, <laughs> this is what you guys wanted me to do, right? I'm really confused right now. And so, and then I ended up getting fired for it. So that's mm. fun. Um, <laughs> I had to go to therapy for that one. And that really messed with my brain. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I am now back in the library world and I'm the chairman of the local library board um, for oh, the town that I now live in. Um, so I eventually got back to the point of like, I, I can still love libraries, um, mm-hmm. even though I had this really traumatic experience, um, which, you know, hashtag thank you positivity. So, <laughs> um, so let's see. So I started working in libraries as a cert clerk. So if anybody listening is worked in libraries, it's a circulation desk, which is that desk you walk in the mm-hmm. front and you check books in and out. Um, that was uh, where I started was just checking books in and out for patrons and, um, went really well, uh, super enjoyed it. And then I, my boss, uh, moved on to another job and I applied and I got her job and I was now the circulation manager. Um, so I was managing the schedules, uh, for, a, a large group of employees and and I used to joke that that was my job title was to get yelled at like (laughs) if anything bad ever happened they were like let's go get Aaron and I'm like thanks (laughs) 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 so so it was my job to get yelled at there for a while um and then I uh applied for and got um hired as the library director in another town um and I was there for 18 months um before I I got fired. Woo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I spent a total of seven years in the library world. Um, oh, and so fairly significant um, time spent there. And I, I love the idea of libraries, the equalization of access um, in our society mm-hmm. and the knowledge that is contained inside of a library just, genuinely um i i guess it's part of my my helper personality that that mm-hmm. is something that really makes me uh feel like i've i've helped make a difference in the world by providing access to knowledge and um information to everybody that there mm-hmm. is no there are no gatekeepers really in the library world it's it's open to the whole world so mm-hmm. um it it's a big part of of who I am, um, but uh, yeah. So so with all that in mind, uh, when I started in the author world, um, I originally published in Kindle Unlimited because that's where everybody published. And then when I realized that my books couldn't be in libraries, I was like, "Well, screw this! I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go wide so I can get my books into libraries." Um, so. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I've been thinking about what I should talk uh, with the audience mm-hmm. about today mm-hmm. is just the idea of how, how does the whole process work? Yeah. Because without the library background, it's, it is sort of like just a big black box. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. not very entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's very murky. So yes. yes. Enlighten us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the first thing that a lot of people get very confused about is the fact that um, uh, libraries cannot purchase eBooks 
from a regular retail platform. Mm. So um, a lot of I've I've had authors say, well, yeah, my book's in KU, but why doesn't the library just buy it from Amazon? It's for sale there. The print book they can buy from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't always, and I can get into print in just a minute, but right now there's, there's, there's a lot of different facets. So let's focus just on eBooks for this first bet. Um, a library has to have a way to manage that eBook to lend it out to their patrons. So if you think about a patron of a library saying, okay, I want to read, you know, J.R. Ward's latest novel. Um, if the library were to just go and purchase an ebook from Amazon, then they would need to have some way of lending that ebook to that patron um, and then getting it back when it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, you could build your whole internal lending system. Um, Colorado actually was doing that there for there at the beginning. Colorado, you could do what Colorado was doing or was doing back at the beginning of the ebook revolution, where they were building an entire system in order to lend out ebooks from the library to the patron. Um, it's incredibly complicated and um, not something that can be done library by library. Uh, that would be just crazy. Um, so instead, libraries use companies to buy the ebooks from, and then those companies turn around and they deliver those ebook files to the patrons um, so that the library is simply using this company here to do all of the tech, tech work. Okay. Um, you also don't want libraries buying your ebooks from retail sites and then lending them out to patrons. If that was even an, an option, which is not, um, you wouldn't want that happening because I can tell you in the library world, um, you have a constant um, weeding process where you get rid of older books and you're bringing in newer books. Um, and a lot of times books will just sort of weed themselves um, mm. by not being returned by patrons who check them out yeah. or mm. the dogs mm. eat it or, I mean... If you really want some nightmare material, I can tell you, because I worked at the Cirque Desk, <clears throat> I can tell you about the the condition that books would be returned in with right. puke and blood and all sorts of things all over the books. And people just drop them off like nothing happened. Oh, I'm like, gosh. um, yeah, so we don't really want this back, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, so, and then just books fall apart, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So print books have a finite shelf life on them before they're really just not usable anymore and you have to replace it right ebooks don't have that so you are selling an ebook to that library that library has access to that book until the earth falls into the sun right so you wouldn't want a library to be able to go to a retail store buy your book for $4.99 and then be able to check that book out for the rest of eternity to their readers. Mm-hmm. Um, right. it, it's not a great deal for the, for the um, author. Right. So, so what ends up happening is, is that you have this, this um, company in the middle that, that's uh, it's, sells the books on behalf of the authors to the libraries and then s- checks out the books to the patrons, which the library libraries have purchased them. 
The other option that um, that there is is instead of um, purchasing an ebook, a library can rent it. Um, and so a librarian's whole job is to have a very educated guess about what it is that their patrons want to read. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have a lot of things of um, you, most libraries have a, a line in their budget, um, in their acquisitions that is just for patron requests, mm-hmm. right? So you go into the library and you're like, Hey, I really want to read this book. And they go, oh, okay, cool. They buy that book. They pull the money out of the patron request line. Um, that aside, you shouldn't just have an entire library of nothing, but you have to request it before um, it's going to be available on the shelves. Um, you have to have books other than that. Um, and so it's a librarian's job in that in that case to decide, okay, and there's going to be some gimmies, right? James Patterson's latest book you're going to buy it. Right. <laughs> that's and that's a lot really, of copies, right? <laughs> uh-huh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and libraries, libraries actually have an auto buy list. Um, in case anybody's curious. Uh, so you can say, okay, um, every time James Patterson releases a book, I want, you know, three copies of his, of his release. And you sign these contracts with a, uh, publishing or a, a print company like Ingram spark. And, um, and you just go through and you're like, okay, this is on the auto buy list. We would have, you know, we had a big old list and we would say, okay, yes, this, 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 and this, um, every time they release a book, we just automatically would get it. We didn't have to know anything about that book. <laughs> and this, again, this is print. So I just switched three in case anybody's curious, <laughs> switch from ebook to print. Um, but if you're ever like, man, how is it that James Patterson and Debbie McComber and, you know, JK Rowling always hit the top lists, even like no matter what, like they could publish their, their, their grocery list and they would be hitting the top of the New York times bestseller list. Right. It's because of these auto buy lists <laughs> it does not hurt. Uh, let's just put it that way. Cause they have a built in readership of all these libraries that are just going to purchase. Okay. So back to eBooks though. Um, a librarian is going to guess like, okay, this, this ebook, um, is going to be checked out. We think that there's going to be, uh, our local readers who would want to read this book. So we're going to go ahead and buy it. Um, you can also say, um, I'm going to let readers have this as an option. And if they pick it, then, us, li- the, us as the library are going to pay a rental fee to rent this book, um, which is going to obviously be much smaller than the cost of the book itself. We're going we're gonna to pay this rental fee and then the reader can read it and we don't have to pay for a full-fledged copy of that book. And you can, mm-hmm. you can get a lot more books in front of your readers without mm-hmm. paying as much. Okay. Um, so if you're ever curious, uh, why it is that like, for example, overdrive does that they have a two, they have a two system, um, two tier system where you can purchase it as a library or you can rent it. Um, and you may be looking at your statement and going, why the heck am I paying? Why did I get paid so little for this purchase? Like (laughs) I got screwed. (laughs) It didn't get screwed. Um, it was rented instead of purchased. Um, 
but when that happens, it goes to one patron and then it goes back and the library has to rent it again if it's going to be read by another patron. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know that. So speaking of overdraft, what are the companies, kind of the middlemen that um, libraries get their eBooks from? Yes. Okay. So obviously in in terms of dominance of the library ebook world, Overdrive is kind of like the Amazon. Right. Um, they're they're definitely the big kahunas. Mm-hmm. Um it, so there's there's that. Um and then the for the patron, what they are seeing on their app or on their e-reader device is Libby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Overdrive and Libby, it's just which one is one is facing the librarian, mm-hmm. one is facing the reader, but it's the same company. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I have people who are like, so how do I get on Libby? And I'm like, if you're on Overdrive, you're on Libby. Um, so it's just how it's marketed. All right. So um Overdrive is a big kahuna. However, there are lots of other ones out there. Um Hoopla mm-hmm. um is mm-hmm. one and Hoopla is only rentals, right? Oh, so they're okay. they do not, you cannot purchase a book from Hoopla. Um, it's all rentals. Then there's, oh man, um, out of Spain, they have a company called Odillo. Um, there's Biblioteca, there's a uh, book in a box. Um, um, yeah, the list. So okay. okay. But yeah, um, right. the, those three who uh, overdrive, Hoopla, Libby, those are the ones that we see when we're, when we're trying to put our paperback, you know, if we're in KU and we're trying to put our paperbacks in the library system, those are the ones that we see. Correct? Oh, no. Well, no, Sorry. no, no, that's not right. That's not right. Audiobooks. Audiobooks. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Yes. Audiobooks. Those yes. are the ones. Sorry, yes. y'all. Um, <laughs> I just confused so- the conversation. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so those are the three, though, that I wanted digital products are the yes. ones that people will see and not maybe not know what they are. Yeah, like exactly. Me, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so tell us like if an author wants to get their books onto Overdrive or Libby, mm-hmm. what would yeah. you recommend for that? Like draft to digital or Kobo or something like that? Is that the easiest way? Right. So, okay. So number one, um, if you're, if you're wanting your books on Libby, you're sending them to, um, uh, overdrive. overdrive, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then actually I just went ahead and pulled this up. Uh, there's just so you know, there's overdrive, Adillo, Biblioteca, Baker and Taylor, Hoopla, Borrow Box and Palace Marketplace. Okay. Great. Thank you. Libraries that are in draft to digital. Mm -hmm. And there's lots more libraries than that around the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so, what was your question again oh just like if an <laughs> if it, it's okay no if an author is interested in making sure their books are in libraries like their ebooks especially mm-hmm. how do is, they do what, that? what do they do draft a digital would you recommend or how would you recommend they do that yes thank you um so one thing that ties all of these libraries together 
is the fact that none of them want to work with individual authors. Um, <laughs> it turns out that we are a bunch of whiny people who we're annoyed at. Yes, <laughs> we break the Get system. It. We can't yeah. figure out our password. We don't know right. how to upload something. <laughs> All of that customer service, the libraries are just like, uh, these library companies are yeah. like, yeah don't really want to deal with all y'all you're kind of a pain in the patootie so you mm-hmm. know what we're going to do we're going to use a distributor um yeah. so even if you wanted to go direct you cannot so just to have because i've had people who are like so how do i upload overdrive and i'm like not by going to overdrive um no, you're going right. to either so there's okay um bit of a history lesson so kobo and overdrive used to be owned by the same parent company called Rakuten, which is a company out of Japan. Mm-hmm. At that point, Mark Leslie Lefebvre uh, ran Kobo Writing Life, and he mm-hmm. negotiated a really great contract between Kobo and Overdrive um, that that when you upload to Kobo, it is as if you were uploading directly to Overdrive Oh, okay. in terms of the money that you're making from it. Mm-hmm. Again, back this is all back to just eBooks that I'm talking about yeah. right now. Um, so then, um, Rakuten sold off overdrive. It's no longer owned by them. They still own Kobo, but, but Kobo and overdrive are no longer sister companies, but they still have that relationship in place. They still have that contract in place. Um, so you can absolutely get to overdrive through Kobo. Um, that is the only library that you can get to in some other way, other than, uh, one of the main distributors. Um, so typically I recommend either draft to digital or uh, the other distributor that is quite good is Streetlib. Um, Streetlib is a company out of Italy okay. and they, they're a big distributor. And the, the thing that I like about Streetlib is that they have access to a lot of um, libraries and retailers that you can't get access to otherwise. Uh, you can't get to them through draft to digital and does it make sense to go to them direct? Um, and so you can really get your books out to a, to a worldwide audience. Um, draft to digital is getting there. They're getting, they're adding more partners all the time. Um, but, but I feel like street lip sometimes doesn't get enough love from <laughs> and in attention. So I'm just saying like, if you haven't heard of street lip, they're totally at a valid option also. So, um, so you're going to, as an author, you're going to either upload to draft to digital mm-hmm. or to street lip mm-hmm. to get to every library, except for overdrive. You can get to overdrive through street lib or draft to digital you can also get to it through Kobo. Okay. So at that point, it's kind of your choice. Yeah. Um, once these companies, so Book in a Box, um, or Palace Marketplace, once they get the item, then they turn around, they sell it to libraries. Libraries purchase or rent it, turn around and get it to the patrons. So it's kind of a long, usually when you're selling books, you're like, hey, you, reader, you want to buy my book? And the reader's like, sure, I'll buy your book. And it's, you know, it can be as direct as off your own website, right? They don't even right. have to go through Amazon. With this, it's like, okay, I'm going to upload it to Draft Digital, who's going to send it to Palace Marketplace, who's going to send it to the libraries, who's going to send it to the patrons. And then we're like, I don't know why this is, you know, murky and dense for people to understand. <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> there's, there's just a lot in the middle. 
Um, so, so some important things to know is, is that when you are selling eBooks, I think I started to make this, this, um, point and then I got sidetracked, what, um, (laughs) that you should be selling at higher than retail to Mm -hmm. libraries Mm -hmm. because they do get to keep your book for the rest of eternity. Um, so you should not just be selling at retail prices to them. Um, I mean, libraries will be like, God bless you and all your children, but, um, it's, there is actually also a librarians tend to be a little bit more traditionally published focused mm-hmm. pub focused than mm-hmm. than indie pub right? right and so honestly if your ebook is too cheap mm-hmm. they will kind of look down on it it's perceived yeah. value yeah. yeah 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 there's there's got to be something wrong with this book mm-hmm. like obviously the author right. didn't have it you know proofread or whatever it's yeah. got yeah. a big plot hole in the middle yeah. whatever it is um so so sometimes authors who are like well i want to make my book really ac- accessible to all these libraries because i love libraries so much um you can actually almost be hurting yourself in terms of sales yeah. by making your book too cheap Right. That makes so sense. I've, I know like when I'm going to put that library price in, I always feel like, oh, you know, I, I love libraries and I want them to, you know, I want to give them a good deal, but we should right. not be afraid to up our price. Like, is there like a mm-hmm. recommended Range. multiplier yeah. of like, you're like, if you have a regular price of like $4.99, do you want to do like two or three times that? Or is that like Right. Exactly. So no. So I have a really handy dandy rule of thumb. Um, Y'all are free to use, um, (laughs) which is where I take the price of the book, um, just the dollar amount. So say $4.99, you're going to take the $4. Okay. Multiply that by three Mm -hmm. and add the 99 cents back on. There you go. $4.99 book would become $12.99. Okay. $2.99 book would become $6.99. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I just, I can't handle that. Then maybe multiply it by two or by two and a half. But (laughs) that's that, you know, add the 99 cents back on and and call it a day. Now, um, just to really confuse the waters, let's switch over to audiobooks for just a moment. Um, I was talking to uh, Will Dages over at Find Way Voices um, within the last week, and we talked about library pricing. And um, I asked him, you know, what is a good rule of thumb? And he said two to three times. So um, whatever your retail cost is for your audiobook, it should be two to three times that for the for the libraries. Um, and every yeah. platform is going to give you the ability to set a library price versus a retail price. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's great. Good to know. So we've talked about eBooks. Can you tell us? Print books. How do we get print books sure. in library? Yes. Okay. So um, number one, um, libraries are in love with hardcovers because okay. they just last so much longer. Um, books get returned in return shoots and they, they land on top of each other and they get all smushed up and um, uh, libraries are, are tough on books. Even if the patrons are nice to it, just the system <laughs> itself can be tough on yeah. it. Um, so if you're really wanting to get your books into libraries, um, focusing on getting hardcovers is, is 
important. Um, the second thing is uh, in terms of getting into libraries, uh, large print is a very useful format that mm -hmm. many authors overlook. Um, print paperback, regular print books are so easy to buy and everybody has them. Large print is not done for all books. Even in traditional publishing, you have books that are released that are never put into large print versions. Um, typically, in terms of your library uh, patrons, um, I can speak from experience here. <laughs> uh, the ones who tend to be their most um, uh, religious about coming, dedicated, you know, every week they're coming in and returning a stack of books and getting another stack um, are, are older, uh, retired, and have lower eyesight, right? So there's obviously um, people who have lower eyesight um, who are not older. Um, right. but I'm just saying statistically general, that is yeah. the most, yeah, the most, common. yeah. Um, so in that case, it, these patrons are also the ones who are there and they are voracious readers because this is a big, this is their hobby, right? Mm -hmm. Some people go out golfing. Some people sit there and read all day. Um, <laughs> and for those, for those really, um, uh, voracious readers, then you end up with a real problem of there's not a great supply because so many people don't bother to put their books into large print. And so especially depending on the genre that you write in, <clears throat> um, large print can be a really big part of your income for print books. Um, so like I write cowboys and mm -hmm. my, my, um, demographics, my audience skews older. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I actually make like 60% of my income from print books from large prints. Wow. Now let's say that you wrote in, um, uh, YA or middle grade um, or horror, things that I don't tend to have an older audience, then mm -hmm. the large print may not make as much sense for you. So, right. but especially if you write cozies, <laughs> especially if you write cozies, um, mystery, thriller, suspense, um, romance. romance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You really should be looking at getting your books into large print. Um, That's great. So, so, so how do you let the libraries know about your books? You're probably going there. I am. I am. <laughs> yes. Um, sorry. Sometimes my answers are so long winded. It drives myself crazy. Okay. So <laughs> in terms of selling to libraries, um, libraries can buy print books from Amazon. Okay. That is okay. a thing that they can do. A lot of libraries don't tend to like to do it because of several built-in, baked into the um, system of uh, features that that are true. First off, libraries are still very old-fashioned in that a lot of them have uh, purchase orders. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Amazon really just doesn't, is like, what is a, what are, what are we doing here? This is not how, <laughs> right? You're built for retail. This is, you can't send them a purchase order for a retail, for a retail 
purchase. Um, so, so they're not really built in that way. The other things that library or that Amazon isn't really built for is um, they don't have the, the records. So in the library world, there's something called a mark record, M-A-R-C. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, gives the library information about the book itself so that when the library, the book gets into the library, the reader, excuse me, when the book gets into the library, the acquisitions clerk um, can easily then cataloging clerk can easily put it into the system. They don't have to create a whole record from, from scratch. Mm-hmm. They can pull in and it sort of fills a lot of it in and then they can add things in if they would like. That again, doesn't exist with Amazon. Mm-hmm. That only exists in uh, companies like uh, Ingram Spark. This is why mm-hmm. I'm constantly saying, you know, you got to get into Ingram Spark, um, right. Lulu. Um, and I'm actually not sure at this moment about Book Vault. Um, I, I am it's putting together a meetup with them so I can pick their brains about a lot of stuff so I can have better information mm-hmm. in terms of Book Vault. So, yeah. so p- put a pin in it, at least in terms of my information on Book Vault. Right. I can't speak to that yet. Okay. But Ingram Spark does have that metadata. Um, information to help create the mark record. So, so again, back to this is something that Amazon can't really offer. The third thing that Amazon can't really offer that that a company like Ingram Spark um, uh, or Lulu, I don't know about Lulu, but I know Ingram Spark can, um, is a library can say, look, when we get a book, we don't have a lot of people on the back end to help us. Um, put dust jackets on and put barcodes on and put security strips in and do the Mm -hmm. stamps and do all these things. We would like it to just be shelf ready. So Mm. um, if you could just do that, that would be great. I mean, (laughs) does it cost money? Yes, it does. But you can order books from Ingram Spark that already have the spine label in place, already have a book, a barcode that is set for your library. Um, it can already have the dust jacket and the security strips and the stamps. And it's like, you literally take it off the cart, scan it, put it on the cart. Somebody goes and puts it out on the shelf. Oh, wow. Wow. That is, again, is not available from Amazon. So, So when people are like, oh, just go buy my book from Amazon. I'm like, you don't quite understand. Like there's a totally different world in terms of libraries. Um, mm-hmm. so if you're wanting to sell the libraries, you really do need to put your books up on Ingram Spark, at least at this point. Um, that's a very big, it's a very big thing. I'm still researching Lulu. I'm I'm a little bit unsure about them and I'm completely unsure about Book Vault. I'm a hundred percent sure about Ingram Spark. <laughs> you get awesome. it there, they will get it to libraries. Um if if Ingram Spark is intimidating to you because um they're not the most user-friendly website on the planet, an option is to use draft to digital. Mm-hmm. They do print that then gets sent to Ingram. Mm-hmm. So at least in book world. Um, I've been saying forever, all roads lead to Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. If you upload your book to Amazon and you checkmark that expanded distribution box, they're literally sending it to Ingram. That's okay. how they're doing expanded distribution. Okay. Yeah. And you're getting paid like a tiny little portion yeah. Don't that, ever you, do that. that you could have received a little bit more yeah. or a lot more in case, some cases from Ingram. Yeah. If you take the time. 
hundred percent. Yes. I remember the first time I got paid for a print book through Amazon because I didn't have money for my own ISBNs. So, and I'm an American, so I don't get my own ISBNs like some (laughs) cool Canadians do. Um, So I didn't have money to, to upload my books to Ingram Spark. So I put expanded distribution um, on my print book. And this is back when it was create space. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I got paid for a print book and it was six cents and I called because I was like, there's something wrong, right? Like you can't have just paid me six cents because I sold a print book and they were like, no, no, that's not what you made. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was unhappy. (laughs) A few expletives later, you found out it's because you you check expanded distribution. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you aren't wanting to do, um, the full-fledged to mm-hmm. Ingram Spark. You can use Draft to Digital. They send it to Ingram Spark. Um, do you make less? Yes, you do. Um, are you in the because Draft to Digital has to take their cut, so you mm-hmm. are going to make less. Right. Yeah. Do you have less opportunity to make sure that your metadata is optimized? Right. Yes. You will show up for less searches because your metadata isn't as optimized. Okay. Um, do you have any control over the discount or the return policy if you go through Draft to Digital? No, you don't. It's set by the company. You can set mm-hmm. all of that yourself if you go direct to Ingram Spark. Okay. So, are there some big positives of going direct? Mm-hmm. You betcha. Mm-hmm. But are you one of those people who's like, I hate my computer, and if I have to deal with this website, then I'm just not going to do it? Go through Draft to Digital. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then at least I have that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we only have, oh, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I was going to say, I think we're kind of getting close to the end of our time. We are. I want to so, ask one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Well, okay. So let's say, how do, how do I get to know me? Just plain old Jamie Albright. How do I get them to know about my books? The libraries is the best yes. way to have readers go request them. Is it to email them? I mean, what's the best or way? Or Ask show for an up. event or to ask for an event uh, <laughs> agree to host something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this is the number one question that everybody has in terms right. of selling to libraries because right. there is no book bub mm-hmm. that you can get that sends out your book, sends your book out to all these libraries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're mm-hmm. so used to being able to access our readers easily. Mm-hmm. We're going to run Facebook ads. We're going to run mm-hmm. AMS ads. We're going to do a fussy librarian. We're going to get a book bub. And it's like, I found my reader. Um, with libraries, it's like, okay, but how do I get my book in there? So um, so there's there's a couple different things. Number one, if you um, have a library that is local to you, um, libraries almost always love to have your book in their library because they want to have, a lot of libraries will actually have a local author section. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can either send them an email or you can go in in person. Um, if you are not a big, uh, if that's intimidating to you, then definitely do the email one. Um, if you do go in person, do make sure that you're not picking a super busy part of the day. So I would not recommend the first 30 minutes of the day because that's when the librarian is opening up and they're getting things set up and, um, and, and don't pick during like a really big event to go. Um, but instead like 
you know, 1030 in the morning, like it's, it's quiet. Every, all the regulars have come in, gotten settled in, and they're just starting to get to work. That's typically a pretty good time. Um, right before closing, not a good time, (laughs) right in the middle of summer reading program, not a good time. Um, so, so, you know, you've got that, um, there is the ability that readers have to request books at their own library. So uh, every library, like even the little baby ones are getting to the point where there's a button on their website that says, um, request a, a book. You can send out an email to your readers and say, hey, look, I'd really like to get my books into more libraries. Um, and I have approached some libraries and stuff, but but I know that it would help a lot if the patron was making the request. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will um you can you can hopefully convince at least a few of your readers to go to their own local library and and fill out a request form. Okay. Um, okay. for it. So um, if you do go into a library, it's useful to have something called a SELL sheet, S-E-L-L sheet. Um, and if you Google that, you'll be able to find what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just basically like, here's the ISBN, here's the blurb, um, here's any you know nice things that people said about it, here's how to buy it. Um, and it, it's just a one page um, flyer. Mm-hmm. It's like, makes it easy for the librarian mm-hmm. to purchase the item because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's super key. And then you can actually attach that as a PDF to emails. You can put it into, into the, um, the email itself mm-hmm. or you can have it in your hand as you go walking into a library. Okay. But putting together a sell sheet is very useful. Great. That's yeah. wonderful. Wonderful. And then... Yeah, and I just wanted to say really fast, just so people know, I am teaching a class just on print um, because like, I know y'all are like, oh my God, Erin, you just talked for the last however long about this, but um, it's going to be a couple hours long class of like, this is, you know, um, different strategies in the end um, return and blah, 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 blah. So it, it's, there's just so much print is great. complicated. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. It so is. Well, you and there are ways. Oh, go ahead. God, we're talking over each other and we're looking at each other. What We've is got wrong a delay with me? or something today, I think. I but know. so, will there be a link for that, like on your website, or if you send it to us, we'll put it in the show notes? How about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, just aaronwright.net slash authors. Or if okay. you just go to aaronwright.net, um, there's an author's link at the top, and that will okay. take you to wherever, whatever thing I'm doing right now. Um, so okay. actually, at the moment, my next class is going to be a BookBub uh, prep class, but okay. I'm going to be cool. doing print after that. Okay, cool. BookBub prep class, what is that? Yeah. So <laughs> I've just had a lot of people who are like, I want help figuring out what the best book bub is, the best mm-hmm. type of book bub to apply for. Yeah. Um, how, you know, how to up my chances of being selected. And mm-hmm. then once I do get a book bub, how do I best prepare for it? How do I best maximize that? Oh, that sounds fantastic too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. that's gonna be the class that I'm that I'm um will be doing next. Awesome. 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 That's great. That is great. Well, we will have all those links in the show notes. Thank you for coming back on and talking yes. to us about libraries. We appreciate it. Um, we'll have all those neat links at Wish I'd Known Then for Writers. And um, thanks to Alexa Blarberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. We'll see everybody next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. 
We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.